Scarantino, and this is the Get the Fuck Off podcast. Every week, I'm going to be talking about a new topic to help you guys get the fuck off the shit that doesn't serve you anymore. But first, let me tell you a little bit about me. I used to work as a bartender, and I lived in the New York City bar scene. I smoked between a pack or two a day, and I was what you'd call quite overweight. I learned that the secret to adopting a healthy lifestyle is a series of mindset shifts. Unfortunately, they don't always come with an owner's manual, so I decided to start this podcast to give you guys the nuts and bolts without you having to do all the research on your own. Getting healthy does not mean you have to sacrifice your outstanding personality, and it actually can be quite a fun journey. I'm really excited to have you guys on that journey with me. Let's get off together. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I have an extremely special guest today on the show. Her name is Sabrina Stanley. She's a professional ultra runner for Adidas Terex. So she specializes in mountainous 100-mile racing. Sabrina and I knew each other. We worked together uh, a number of years ago. And I've been following her journey for many years. And this is a human being that inspires me so much. I don't think I would be where I am in my own life if not for having known Sabrina. Um, she is the only American, male or female, to win Grand Raid, which is the world's largest 100-mile race, uh, revered as the toughest 100-miler in the world. And she's won 14 of her last 15 ultra races. So that's anything longer than a marathon, including two Hard Rock 100 victories. And uh, during the summer of 2020, she tackled Nolan's 14 and summiting 14, 14,000-plus feet peaks in elevation in record time. And what happened was she set the record for that not once but twice. She had 58 days between her attempts. Um, she started her competitive ultra running career at the age of 26 after walking away from a restaurant management position in New York City. She moved back to Colorado, took a minimum wage job, and she spent the time focusing on her dream and her passion for, for running ultra marathons. And, uh, she's just, she's just amazing. We have a great conversation. I wanted to record um, an actual introduction to this episode because it was so important for me to do so, so I could make sure I introduce her properly. She's just such a light. She's fantastic. We talk so much in this episode about mindset. I've learned so much about mindset from Sabrina, creating reality, the internal reality, and we really dive into some, some big, big stuff. We talk about valuing yourself. We talk about mental health a lot, stress, the body, um, and we talk about really putting in the work to achieve all the things that you want to achieve and how those things are not that unrealistic. Like they're really not that unrealistic. They are not out of your grasp. We also talk about female empowerment, relationships. Like there's so much in this episode. So I really hope that you guys will stick around, stick with me for the episode and uh, reach out to me with any questions that you might have afterward. But I'm not going to talk too much more. I'm going to like go right into it. Here's my interview with Sabrina Stanley. Sabrina, welcome to the Get the Fuck Off podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm stoked to be here. So I, I've wanted to have you on the podcast for a while because you're not only an, a phenomenal athlete, like somebody that I admire so much, but just your mental tenacity and your resolve and your ability to just 
magically like create your life from source in a way that's abundant and awesome is something that I just admire so greatly. And uh, I want to just tell everybody, I know I did an introduction, but I just wanted to tell everybody about Sabrina. So Sabrina is a professional ultra runner for Adidas Terex. And so if I have this right, I'm doing this from memory, but you've won 13 of your last 1400 mile races. Well, now we can say 14. Oh, sorry. So it's 14 of my last 15 ultras. So anything over a marathon. Okay. Um, but yeah, the bio I gave you is a little wrong because I raced Saturday. So. Oh can, yeah. Cause you did. By one. <laughs> okay. So 14 out of 50, 15 ultras. So Sabrina and I know each other because we work together in New York and you had a management position at that time at the restaurant and you decided to leave it to take a minimum wage job in Colorado and go back home and pursue your passion of running. And I know that when we met one another and I don't, I don't know how you feel about sharing the story, but I remember that you had come to New York right after your DNF at Leadville 100. And I remember someone saying she just, Sabrina just had this race. And I was like, Oh, that's amazing. I'm a runner too. And, and you were like, it's a hundred mile race. And I, and I dropped out at mile 85. And I remember just hearing about that after your attempt at Western States. Yes. I remember that. And I remember you were on a podcast and you were talking about that fuel. And when you were, when we emailed back and forth, you, you talked about, um, you said a line that was so powerful. You, you said failure can be a peaceful place. And I thought that that would be like an awesome way to start because I'm just so inspired by the way you take things and you just morph yourself into greater and greater and greater and greater all the time. It's just amazing to me. So I'm going to let you talk. I've talked too much. No, um, no, it's good. I, I would just going off of that. I would always rather like fail dramatically, just like have your heart crushed than to succeed at like a mediocre level. Because I think that when you succeed at any level, you accept that, you know, and you're like, okay, that's what I was capable of. And you move on. And so when I failed so dramatically for lack of a better word, like I had so much like hope in this race and then it just didn't happen. Um, I was like, fuck that. Like, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it as best as I possibly can. Where, you know, if I had, if I had succeeded and been, I don't know, just mediocre, then I would have been like, that's what I'm capable of and, and went on. And so, because I was so pissed off at, at failure, I was able to find the level I'm at now, which like, obviously you dream about being like really, really great at something. And then I don't know, it just, it, to, I feel like in the middle of it right now, it's hard to, to fully grasp that like five years ago where I was, you know, or six years, whatever it was, it just seems insane to me to like sit back and, and soak it up. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, it's been incredible to watch. I mean, it's incredible to see all of these, these victories and, and yet those are like the places that everybody sees. I know that you you have a, a love, you have a love for what you do. Yeah. I mean, I watched my parents my entire life. I'm one of six and I watched them both go to their jobs. I mean, my mom, I would say enjoyed her job, but I don't think, I remember we were driving one day and she was very bummed. She was a florist and she owned her own company and she just felt like she wasn't changing lives. And so I don't think she was satisfied with her job. And then my dad worked at a lumber mill for a while and then a coal plant. And so he was just putting like 
dinner on the table. It's not like those were his passions growing up. And I always told myself, I will do something that like, I want to wake up every day and do. And that, and I don't care how much money I make, but I want to do something that like, I don't dread my life. And I'm sure they had like very happy points of like, they had all these kids and like, so I don't mean to like downgrade their lives, but they definitely had jobs that I don't think were fulfilling for them. And so that was my like big thing. And um, yeah, I got to New York. I was there for eight months and I just said, it just doesn't feel right. And so I, I put my name to the Leadville lottery for a second time. And I said, if my name gets drawn, I will, I will put everything I can into becoming successful at this, whatever that means at that time. I don't think I fully comprehended what that meant. And so yeah, I moved back to Colorado and luckily from working in New York, I had like a little bit bigger bank account where I could do that and work a minimum wage job for a little bit. But, um, that bank account did disappear a lot sooner than I thought it would. But yeah, I'm just so happy that I made that choice to go back. But also I kick myself for, I just feel like I didn't do New York the way I wanted to. Like, I mean, I didn't know better at the time, but now I'm like, oh, if I could just like do that again. So I'm sure at some point I'll be back in New York whenever I'm not competitive at running anymore. <laughs> I mean, you know what though? That's the, the cool thing about it though, is the way that life unfolds and I just, I the Get the Fuck Off podcast really started as like a habit podcast. So I used to talk about how to help people break bad habits, how to help people get healthy. But now I see everything that we do in life as a, as a very grand act of creation. And there's a lot of mindset that goes into it. And New York, for what it was, allowed you to really jumpstart this, this next chapter. Because I mean, I'm, I know for me, the pandemic did that for me. Like if I didn't yeah. have the pandemic and because it was always, I'm making the money, but I don't have the time I'm making the money, right. but I don't have the time. And so if I didn't have the government saying, hello, here's an extra $600 a week for you to just not leave your house. I don't know if I would have had the time to start a business, learn how to start a podcast. Like, I don't know if I would have had that. So sometimes these opportunities present themselves. They don't feel aligned. You know, it's not right forever but you take them because they're, they're the, the next part in that journey. For sure. And I know this isn't like a direct segue, but so I've listened to your podcast and I was like telling Avery, I'm like, I wonder when she's going to ask me to be on it. Like, I just want to be on it. And like, if she, never, <laughs> if she never does, it's okay. But I would really like that. And he's like, why don't you just ask her? And I'm like, no, it has to be organic. Like, I don't want to pressure her. Like, oh she the right time. She'll ask me. And so when you emailed me, I'm like, oh, it's happening. <laughs> Avery, it's happening. Like, oh my I'm God. so happy that you reached out. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like fangirling right now. I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> I just admire you so much. I admire your, so I'm a runner, but I, and am I, ugh. Let me start again. And I'm not editing that out. Um, I admire your athletic ability just so much, but I admire the way that you think about everything and how you go into it. And like, can you just talk to my listeners about the way that you approach mindset and the way that you overcome your limiting beliefs? I know we did it a little bit with Leadville, but like everything else, like there's been so much since then and so many races. And yeah, I don't know how to go about this. I mean, I just believe that I know it sounds corny. I believe you can accomplish anything you want to accomplish, like bar none. Like, I mean, there's obviously things that are impossible, but there are things that you can accomplish that most people write off right out of the get-go. 
And I think they look at the big picture and they don't make a plan. They don't take those steps. There's like, I'm at this point and there's no way I can get here. So I'm not even going to try. And I'm just, I'm not even going to make the first step. I'm just going to keep going in this path and like, forget that dream. And just always like, think that that would be cool. But if you sit down and actually make a plan and say, forget the biggest goal, but like, if I wanted to get there, what would I do tomorrow to make that happen? Like what would Mm. get me started on that path? And then once you accomplish that small goal, then you can go to the next one and the next one. And so like, honestly, my goal from the get-go, I, when I heard about hundred milers, I was 22 and I said, by the time I'm 40, I will finish a hundred miler. Not, I will win one, not, I will be competitive, like nothing. I just, I think that running a hundred miles seems impossible, but if all these other people have done it, then like, surely I can too. And so by the time I'm 40, I, I literally thought it would take me 18 years to train my body to be able to accomplish that. And so I gave myself good amount of room. And in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to be 39 and I'm going to be squeezing training for a hundred that I haven't worked for, for the last however many years. And so that was the dream. And then I, I moved and found myself in Colorado and it was a lottery system to get into the hundred miler I wanted to run. And so I just said, screw it. I'm going to put my name in and it's not going to get drawn for five, 10 years, whatever. I had no idea what the odds were, but I'm just going to start because you can uh, accumulate tickets. So I'm just going to start accumulating tickets in this lottery. And so when I'm ready, I can run it. And fortunately for me, I guess, for like just the way the universe works, I got in the first year. And so I was like, shit, now I'm running a hundred miler and I'm 25 at the time. And so um, I think it's just like taking those baby steps. And then sometimes the universe will just like propel you forward at a speed you couldn't have foresaw when you first had that dream. And sometimes it will slow you down more than you expected. But I think if you just keep pushing towards that goal, whatever effort you can, I mean, you're, it's again, it's corny. Like you're so much closer than you were if you never started. And so, um, yeah, I truly believe that if I just keep working that way, that my dreams will come true. And then if they don't along that path, you're going to have so many different opportunities that you never would have happened that never would have happened if you had just kept in your life going the way it was. So I think, yeah, any passion of yours, any goal that you have just tomorrow, wake up and be like, okay, for whoever is on that path, what kind of breakfast do you think that they're eating right now? You know, like what, right, what right. are they doing with their free time? Um, and if you don't have a ton of free time, like what are they doing? Are they listening to certain podcasts? Are they like, try to emulate that as much as possible. And then slowly it'll become natural. And then it'll, you will be the person that other people are looking towards for that. Like where, how did she get to where she is? And so I just keep working towards it. You know, like the smallest steps do matter. It's all about like the little details. It's so big. I mean, that's so important. I talk about this a lot in that. And I'm, and I'm starting a community that's called day one. And it's based on that same thing. It's because when you said, what would I do tomorrow? What is that person eating for breakfast? People think that it has to be this whole thing. And just so that everybody's listening knows, I know that I mentioned this in the introduction, but I mean, Sabrina, you have the, the fastest known time for Nolan's 14. She's that what that's a hundred mile race with 14, 14,000 plus peaks 
right? And you did it twice within 58 days. So you've set the course record and then set it again 58 days later, right? Yeah. So it was in the middle of COVID. So there's no races happening. And so everybody in like, I guess the race world had to figure out like, how do you stay relevant in a weird way? Or like, what can you do? Sorry, my dog's having dreams back there. I don't know if you can see that. Okay. Um, But you have to like, set a record or do something on your own. And so, um, FKT is fastest known time and I chose Nolan's route. So there is, there's established routes like the Appalachian trail, Pacific crest trail, which those are huge thousand mile rate or right. 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 I have two, I have friends that have done those. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Yeah. Um, I have one friend that did, that did both. And I have another friend that just did one. The the one that did both. She's nuts. Yeah. She's, she's beautiful. She's been on this podcast. She's beautiful. Nuts in a good way. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) but so Nolan's is a route like that through these, the mountains of Colorado. Yeah. So it's a lot of shorter, just a hundred miles. And there's these line of mountains and you go up and down 14, 14,000 foot peaks. And so that was my FKT attempt in 2020. I set the record and then a month later, another girl went and took my record. And so, um, I was like, I just worked all summer for this. I'm not going to let it go. And there's a lot of logistics that go into it in terms of like weather and where the moon's at. And cause you're mm-hmm. up on these high mountains, like you have to time it just right. And so right. I squeezed in one last attempt, um, in October. Cause I knew 2021 racing would be back and I wouldn't have this opportunity again. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I luckily set the record and was able to like mentally rest through the winter and not like beat myself up. But yeah, I, that was, I would say one of the most fun, if not the most phenomenal experience of my life. I Nolan's is such a spiritual, just like journey in the most weird way. I can imagine. I, I was just, it reminded me, I mean, well, there's so much I want to say, but I, I think about that because when we were talking about little steps, you see something like that. That's just so, that's just, there's so much magnitude to that. And behind all that magnitude is a human that wakes up with 24 hours in their day and a human that has time to eat and sleep and be in a relationship and probably watch TV and do all of these things. <laughs> like, like we always think that things are so huge and then they're, but there's, there's just, okay. Like I'm going to make, I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to, I'm going to do these things. For and sure. I thought that oh, was powerful. Thank you. When it comes to physical beats, I think it's really daunting for a lot of people. There's like, there's no way I could run a mile. There's no way I could do a half marathon or whatever it is. I played team sports growing up. And so when I started running, I was like, we used to have two hour practices. I can run for two hours and I don't care about my mileage. I'm just going to go out and run for whatever my practice was. So people who don't have that background though, like they go to eight hour jobs or more and they're there all day. And if you hate your job, like you are still doing this thing that you hate and you're there for eight hours. So you could definitely put in the time somewhere else and do it. And like, it might take some sacrifices in terms of your financial benefits or I don't know. And again, like there's so many things that make it more difficult with like family and health issues and on and on and on. But if you can just say, I can do something hard for 10 minutes today and you can grow that and grow that. And so just, Mm -hmm. Like I said, just start, start with the smallest step. And, and I feel like I'm repeating myself now, but 
it, it things that you think are impossible or truly are possible if you just start working towards it. You know, it's, it's, you're not repeating yourself. I think a lot of times people need to hear things a couple of times because it sometimes doesn't land one time. I mean, I have clients that sometimes will say, I know you said this a million times, but this time, um, because you don't have, like, I think what, when I was reading your bio also, you told me, you know, I wasn't a D1 athlete, my marathon PR, you have a, you know, a good time, 341. It's modest. It's not a Boston qualifying <laughs> time, you know? Yeah. And then you have this woman that like, that, that wins first place comes in, you know, in hundred mile races. And a lot of people allow their limiting beliefs to say, well, because I have, this exists, I, I can't do this. So because I wasn't an athlete, like, because I wasn't, you know, I didn't run cross country in, in school because right. I don't, you know, I'm not like, because I ran a marathon and, you know, I didn't have a 320, you know, people will be like, Oh, that's, that's not for me, but it's like, well, maybe that's just not where your joy is. Like, maybe that's just not where it is. Well, and that's the thing. When I first started running, I was like, I'm going to qualify for Boston. That's what I'm going to do. That's my dream. I didn't know anything about trail running. I didn't know anything about ultras or mountains. I just knew road running and I was going to qualify for Boston. And I did five marathons and I did not qualify for Boston, but along that way, I discovered trail running. And that's what I was talking about earlier. When these doors open that you need, you can't even comprehend exist. And so when I, when trail running was presented to me, I was mind blown because I had been running on trails and I just didn't know there's this huge community around it. And that there was actually events that were happening on trails. And then, you know, you discover these longer races and you start doing it. Oh, I have a knack for this. And so I don't, I would say, I know I don't have like a traditional marathoner's body, but then I started seeing these really competitive, accomplished ultra marathon girls. And I'm like, I could do that. Like that looks like something that I seen myself. And that was huge encouragement to me that they have like these real full figured women with like curves. And so, cause I'm, I am five, seven, five, eight. And depending on where I'm at in my training, I would say my body is 150 to 160 pounds, which is not like in the running world. Like I have some muscle on me, um, which is good. Um, so yeah, it was just like this, this world was open to me that I had no idea existed because I was following one dream and like, it just popped into my lap magically. And I'm like that, that's where I'm supposed to be. That's, this is the way it was supposed to happen. Like maybe I'll go back and do Boston at some point in my life, but there's so many other goals that take precedence now that I would like to accomplish. So tell me about all of the time. So tell me about other times that the universe has kind of opened up things in, in your career with ultra running. Well, Oh, with ultra running specifically or um, anything, anything. No, no, it's, <laughs> um, yeah. So I was running and I obviously want to be competitive and I had a few decent results and, um, I, had a few contracts that were, I would say on the smaller end. And I was looking around at these other women. I'm like, I wonder how much they're making. I wonder like knowing their results, like what companies are doing for them. And I just started talking to people and I found this chick, Camille Heron, who is incredible. Um, and she had a sports agent, which in our world is pretty rare. And I was like, Oh, like, let me, I've been thinking about it for a while, but I decided to make the move to get a sports agent. And like, part of you thinks, am I good enough to have a sports agent? Like, am I just thinking I'm 
better than I am, or like, this seems a little like far-fetched because I reached out to the sports agent. He connected me with Adidas, which 100% changed my life in ways that like, I'm able to make a living doing running where before I was, you know, making, I would say low five figures, like super, super low five figures. And then also for the year, and then having to supplement that with like coaching and, um, like working at a coffee shop for a little bit and just like all these like random little things, just like put enough money together to get to these races and do them. And so then when I, I feel like I set that ball in motion, you know, just, um, I don't know, like, like I said, like sports agents aren't the norm here. And so just to be like, no, I do deserve a sports agent and I'm going to see what contacts he has and go from there. And so again, it's just like making try and like that door could have never been opened either. You know, like he might not have had those contacts, but just like networking and getting to know people and like, Oh, I think that you'd be great for this company. Or, um, just talking to people at races. I heard about, um, this race that it's called grand raid and it's in, it's an Island off of Madagascar owned by France. And I have never heard of it. Don't ask me how, but I, for being in the world, I should have. And this lady was like, Oh, it's the most technical race, blah, blah, blah. And I randomly signed up for it. And you won that race, right? Or yeah. The only American male or female. Yeah. And so it's before I went out there, seventh place was the highest any American had gone. And it's the largest hundred in terms of participants in the world. And so again, it's just like talking to people and like listening and trying to incorporate that into your dream and like, just keep moving forward at any, any way you can. And like I said, things will pop up that you, you don't even know exist in the world right now, man. Yeah. But no, it's, it's amazing because it's, I think about things in terms of like, I've been exploring this concept of receiving versus resisting. And I've always had a problem receiving. And when you say things like, I deserve a sports agent, a sports agent, I'm like, that's receiving. You know that you deserve that. So you receive that. And a lot of people will cut themselves off there too. They'll be like, I don't, I'm not. And when you're receiving, opportunities come. And when you're resisting, they don't. And we resist a lot of the times because we have that Western, when I, then I, when I do all of this, then I will be able to have, and did you always have that or did it develop at some point? No, I think it, it takes a lot of brain work. It takes a lot of like coaching yourself out of that. And I, my medium, I would say is reading and podcasts. Like that's where I, I love to read, but I mean, I run so much that I'll just pop on a podcast and listen. And I, I'm getting better, but, um, it's just like knowing who you are as a female in this world and like the mindset that the Western world has coached into you and then trying to slowly peel back those layers to get to where the, where you want to be. And so, I mean, I have made moves where I didn't realize they would be as big for me as they were, but also there's times where I have dealt with a lot of mental health issues, which I didn't even know I was dealing with. I know that sounds crazy. I'm like, everybody cries this much or everybody has these like dark months and they just power past them. And these dark months where you have just chilling thoughts that like, you know, aren't healthy and 
it's a place that you don't want to be, but everybody deals with it. And you just got to be tough and be this like macho woman and don't ask for help. And so through like listening to other women on podcasts, it's like, this isn't normal. Like not every person deals with this. And if they do, like they're asking for help and I can ask for help. And so in the last year, I've started speaking to a sports or a sports psychologist, which has also really helped me. And it took me a full 18 months for me to be like, these are the thoughts I'm having. Like I struggle with depression. It's not diagnosed, but like, I, I'm not like, I can look it up on the internet and I have like nine out of 10 of like the tall tale signs for it. And so talking with him, I mean, it literally took me so long to get to that point to like open up to him. And like my partner, Avery, who's amazing, like for to have him be like, no, you should talk to Drew about this. Like, it's not, I just, there are, and there's times in my life where I'm like on the moon and everything is wonderful, but also like, you don't have to just put your head down and grind and grind and grind and just know, and the unit, the world is not and think, I used to think that if I just worked my hardest, no matter what the world would take notice and I would get all the blessings I deserved. And at some point that would happen, but it's Mm. never going to happen. People aren't going to take notice of you. People aren't going to do random great things for you because they have their own bullshit going on. And so you have to reach out for help. You have to say, this is what's going on with me. And like, like not, how can you help me? But like, I mean, unless that's their job, but it just like, I don't know, owning who you are in a way and looking up and yeah, I just, I really thought in like my upbringing that you, it was very blue collar and like, you just work and work and work and you will be rewarded and it's not going to happen. Like you have to ask for those opportunities. You have to break down that door and say, this is who I am. And this is what I've accomplished. And for a while, Mm -hmm. it was really hard for me to be like, these are the things I've accomplished. And I, I am this great runner and I am on this path and to, to really fully own it and not be like, Oh, I won that race because blah, blah, blah dropped out or because the weather was bad and and the best runner there couldn't hang and whatever it was like, there was always an excuse of like, why I didn't deserve why it wasn't win. you. Right. Why it wasn't you. Yeah, it was totally. and, and you're, you're seeing, and then that's the thing. It's like, people will see us in public and they'll see the winning, but inside there's the not enough. No, it had to be something else. Had to be totally. something else. Yes. It's, that's a common mindset. I relate to so much of what you're saying. I grew up in, my parents have college degrees and are, you know, are, I would not say blue collar. They're in the professional world, but we have blue. Yeah. I come from a blue collar upbringing. My grandparents were factory workers. My father didn't have a college degree. He worked in service, you know, and the mindset, even in my mom, my mother who has a college degree has a professional, you know, job. That's, that's not blue collar is work and work and work. And people will notice and work and work and work. And also a lot of that pushing down the emotion comes from that as well, because then you feel like you're defunct, broken, not capable, not this, And I see that a lot in my work, you know, in in coaching, when I work with women, when they're not acknowledging, Hey, I have these, these feelings like we got to do something about that over here in the West. That's not right. Because you're talking about things. And I have a a spiritual mentor who really put it in a great way. She's been on the podcast, Allison Sutter. And I reached out to her once I said, Allison, I just want to be dead. Like, I don't even want to be alive and I have a great life. You know, like I'm happy. 
Like I'm not, I'm not suicidal, yeah. you know, like I'm not any of that. But I'm like, I just want to be dead. I just don't see a point to me. And she's like, Andy, life is filled with expansions and contractions and you're going to expand, but to expand, we need to contract. Everybody goes through these contractions. And when you're in the contraction, it sucks. And like, when you allow yourself to have the contraction, have the feelings, have the emotions, have the, anything that comes with it, then it releases and we go on. And if you push it down, ignore it, do any of that shit, then it stays. And then story develops. And then the story of I'm not enough. I'm not this. I'm not that. And then what happens with that? It's, it's a lot easier to build on a foundation of I am enough than to build on a foundation of mm, this couldn't have been me. You know, like I couldn't yeah. be responsible. Well, and it's scary, too. It's scary saying I deserve this. I deserve to be in this spot. Because then you open yourself up to failure in a way that you had it before. And so when you, or if you do fail, it's like confirmation. Like I knew I didn't deserve that. I knew I wasn't that good. I knew that that was just a fluke and I am who I thought I was. And now everybody else knows it too, because Mm. I tried and I put myself out there, but it's all like bullshit in your head. It's all not real. And so Mm -hmm. you have to put yourself out there for failure. You have like, um, I'm going to butcher this quote, but, uh, Rhonda Rousey in her book, she talks about how the people who are most successful are the ones who are willing to hurt more than anybody else, not physically, but just emotionally. Like they put so much stock in their dreams that when those dreams, if they don't happen, the heartbreak is almost unbearable, but also Mm. they push so hard and they put so much love and devotion to those dreams that they're so much more likely to ever happen than if you only put 50% of your emotional ability into them because then you can accept failure. But if you get to the point where like I am, I'm going towards UTMB this year, which is the basically the world series of hundred mile running. And it's taken me a long time to like mentally tell myself you're going for a course record and there's no other substitute that you will be happy with. And, and also the world doesn't like that. They don't like that. Like, you're not going to take second and walk away and like still smile and, and shake everybody's hands. Like I, I want course record. I, I will not be happy unless I get that. And like that, knowing that that goal is so high and so small for me to hit that bullseye, it takes a lot like to tell everybody that dream and like, let them know because I could say top 10, top 10 is a world-class athlete and that's what everybody's going for. But I don't want top 10. I want course record. And I want people to know that. And I want people to know that like, if I don't hit that, I miss my dream. And it's, it's, it's easier to make your bullseye a lot bigger and then just be happy, but you won't be as successful because you're satisfied with less. Hmm powerful stuff and but it's powerful in like lots of ways and you know going back to the beginning when I was when I mentioned that you said failure is a peaceful place like it's it's the acceptance of it is also just your your willingness to say it out loud like a lot of people would shy from that and sometimes I even shy from that I'm like I'm not going to tell anybody what I'm up to you know I'm not going to tell anybody my my dreams or my goals but you're willing to do it and if it doesn't pan out you're going to do it again and it's like you're just you're that I see that in you I see that ability to be like 
I'm going to do it. And I'm just going to let everybody know that this is, this is what I want. Well, I also want other women out there who are going for that same, who are coming up behind me to know how hard I worked to get here. Cause I don't want them. I don't want to put out the, the image that I'm just this good. And I wake up every day and it's butterflies and rainbows. And I'm just blessed with this talent. And, um, I happen to have found this sport and I just happen to win. I want all the women that are coming behind me to know like how hard I've worked to get here so that they can also like, cause I feel like when you put out the image that it's easy to get here and like, I just had a good day. I had a great race. Like there's nothing really behind it. Then it cuts off all these women who are trying. Cause they're like, she's gifted. She's gifted. She's talented, whatever. Mm. And I'm not, mm-hmm. I want them to know I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. I worked my ass off to get here. And like, you can too. Like, it's not impossible. You mm-hmm. can get here if you put in the work. And so start putting in the work and don't shut yourself off at the get-go because you're not gifted or you're not talented. Like you said, I was not a D1 athlete. I did not do cross country. I did not do track. I literally started running as a hobby. I started running when I was a sophomore in high school and I was just doing seven miles a day. And then I had a friend ask me to do a half marathon. And then I had a friend ask, or then I decided to do a full marathon. And then I heard about qualifying for Boston. Then I heard about trail running. And then I heard about hundred milers. And so it just grows and grows and grows. And you don't have to be gifted or talented to start that journey. Like you, I'm telling you, and I, I feel weird about the word, like you're athletic because it's so much more than just like your body. And I think when yeah. you say athletic, yeah. people think it's a body thing and it's not it's a mentality. It's, it's a mentality. It's, yes. I have talked about this and, you know, we used to work together, you know, my, how I was five years ago as well. Like, you know, five years, Yeah. when you think about five years. I mean, people know that listen to the podcast, know what I've done in five years to to look at two individuals like us and seeing how our lives have changed so much in five years. Five years is not a long time. It's half a decade. A lot of people don't. It's really not a long time. And things a lot can happen in five years through micro steps. One of the things that has happened, you know, just in my perception that has shifted my ability to do almost everything is becoming an is becoming an athlete because it doesn't have to do with the body. It's all about beliefs. It's all about mindset. And it's all about you have to overcome the limiting beliefs in your brain. Like and who you believe you are is who shows up in the world. And I think when you're talking about like what people say about, you know, where you are and like thinking that it was easy or thinking that you're gifted, there's so much more than just the the eight hour run that you did yesterday. It's the, I have to actually fundamentally change my mind. Like I have to change my mind and I have to keep changing it. And every time you hit that wall of a limiting belief, there's fear, there's uncertainty, there's like forcing yourself to manually override stuff. And that's the part of athletics that for me was like, I didn't grow up as an athlete. I smoked cigarettes. I sat at bars. I Fucking, I don't remember what I did. Literally. I mean, I did, I did that and I didn't understand what it was, but there is a, there is an actual shift like in, in the mind. And that's a hard thing. Well, it's just on a much, much smaller scale. It's the same as like, if you're say you're going to go out for a two mile run, you're going to get to a mile and a half and you're like, Oh, I have a half mile left. If you say you're going to do a eight mile run at six miles, you might be like, Oh, I still have two more miles. But if you think you're going to go out for an eight mile run and you do two, that two is going to fly by so fast. And so 
if you put that into goals, if your goal is so much smaller, when you get to that last 25%, that last 25% is going to feel impossible. But if your goal is so much higher that when you reach that level, that would have been your smaller goal, it's going to happen so fast. And so, yeah, just again, expand your mind and like set those goals so high so that the smaller goals seem so much easier. Um, Mm. yeah, it just, it is, it's all in like your, the way you craft it in your mind and you can tell yourself stories, you can do whatever it takes to get there. It's, it's the media you intake. It's the food you eat. It's the people you're around. Everything is a small ingredient into whatever you're going to accomplish or what you're not going to accomplish. And so you have to make sure that you're feeding yourself in a metaphorical way the way that you need to be. And that starts with changing your mindset and then starts with all these other little steps along the way. But if you never, if you have a goal and then you never change the ingredients, like it's just going to be like a really shitty pie. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever, you know, really shitty pie. (laughs) I love it. It's also, you're talking about the, that you read and you listen to a lot of podcasts and, you know, I mean, I can't imagine how, like, I can't imagine like just the hours that you spent when you spend so many hours running, like podcasts are the go-to because it, it takes up time. You don't have time to read a book, you know? So it's like, you know, passes the time, but the, I find with consuming information, like I have had clients that are resistant to reading and I always think, well, your brain wants to believe that you're right. Your brain wants to believe that the voice that it hears is the right thing. So if you want something outside of you, you better introduce it to as much information as possible because it's not going to believe it. Yeah. I, I just have like this craving for knowledge. I totally get it. And you have to know what you're intaking. Like you have to be intelligent about it. If you just listen to like bullshit all day, like celebrity gossip and stuff, it, that's, it's just, it changes your personality too. It changes the way you go about the world. And so you have to be, um, intentional about the stuff that you put into your brain and listen to things that make you just open your eyes to, to different ideas and like books. I, I wish I could read more. I mean, I tried to, I go through phases, but I mean, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You have to just fill your brain with stuff. And in my profession, I spend so much time alone. And so I don't get like these big social groups and I don't get to hear their ideas. And maybe a lot of other people can relate to that as well if they have isolating jobs. And so I have to find that in, it sounds sad, but like that almost social engagement in other ways. And like, I do have friends like at races and, and um, just in the running world in general, but I also don't just want to consume running media. Like there's so much other stuff going on in the world. And like, how do I, how do I accomplish that? Cause I live in a town of 650 people. Like, although they're all like individualists and they all have like great ideas as well. It's like very limiting to live in this, like a tiny Colorado town. And so like, how do I get ideas from people from New York and just across the entire world? And like, what is going on there? And podcasts are and books are just a really amazing way to open your mind in ways that like past generations were never able to. 
Mm -hmm. And our realities are all internal. Like we talked about that a little bit already in this is that like your reality is the reality and you are having an experience that we're all seeing, but what's inside of you is really important. And if there, if you're not getting your needs met, and I experienced this as well, when I talk to people and they live in smaller communities, it's like, if you're not getting your needs met, you have to go and get it. Like you have to go and get it like, because we don't all want to live in, I live in a city of, you know, 9 million people, but that's also isolating because it's just as isolating to be with 9 million as it is to be with 650, you know? And it's like, and then if you live in a town that has a couple thousand, then a lot of the times they think the same and maybe you don't want that. Maybe you want to do something else. So we have to introduce those things in. And it's like people that don't run. I mean, I, I mean, my, I'm a, I am like a marathon is my, like the, the longest I've ever run. And even with that, like those long runs, I mean, they're, you're not doing any, those are, you do those alone. Like, you know, so if you're running eight, nine, 10, 12 hours every day, like people, that's, that's a lot of time alone. And that's a lot of time. You look like yeah, you're well, it's a lot of time to tell yourself stories and like, they could be really negative stories. They could, you can create this entire world that does, isn't even real. Like, oh, I bet so-and-so is mad at me for whatever. Like, I can't believe I said that last night. I can't believe that like the, I, like they must think I'm the biggest idiot in the world. Like, how could I be so cocky? How could I like be so like, I don't know, sexual or whatever it is. Like that person wasn't ready for that joke. And I really crossed the line there and then just replay whatever conversation you had over mm-hmm. and over. And then you start, th- you create the thoughts for the other person for them. Mm-hmm. And then everyone around you, and then you're <laughs> like, God, I am the biggest dipshit. And like, nobody wants to like, why do they hang out with me? Like why it just, it, you can literally drive yourself crazy and make yourself into someone that you're not. And then when you take a step back and like breathe, like, I just spent however long crafting this like total bullshit story. And so, I mean, I, that is my default, I think is to, is to be, to like beat myself up in this like shameful way. And I'm really working on catching that, those thoughts as early as possible. As soon as I go down that negative spiral, you have to like stop and then start telling yourself positive stories Mm -hmm. and whether the positive stories are real or not, I would much rather live in that world and be crazy in like this other way than to be in this negative, like self shaming, um, world that I, I think a lot of women feel. And I agree. I agree. I'm not sure. I I think it is like just subtle things in society that make us go down that path that we don't even realize are happening. But if you can just start telling yourself like, what a fucking badass you are. Like, you got up, you got the kids ready for school. You made it to work on time. Like small victories matter and just stop, stop spending so much time on, on the losses. Cause they don't even matter. And most of the time, the losses are only in your head. Like nobody else. Uh, even- they're always in your head. Yeah. It's yes. we have like this concept of, called psychological time. So it's like the all hurt, all anxiety, all this shit. This is Eckhart Tolle talks about this. It, it's all in the past or future. There's nothing right now. So yeah. right now. None of that exists. But when you're thinking about the past, we do make the stories and then we tell the stories about, and it's, I, 
love that you're here being vulnerable and talking about that because it's important. And I think that people need to know it's not just me. It's all of us. That's what the brain does. And then, or we're thinking about the future and we're thinking about the things that we're not capable of, the things that we're not ready for. We're not, if we're right here in the here and now, small victories matter. Yes. The smallest things matter. And the, and the more that you focus on what is happening right now, even like you said, tell yourself positive stories, fine. Tell yourself positive stories, the awareness that you're doing the shit that you're doing, like that, that's the first step. Just being aware. If you're running, you're here now you feel, you know, thump, thump. If you hear yourself start to do it and then you say, I'm doing this, I'm going to manually stop and I'm going to do something else. That's powerful. That's powerful shit. Yeah. It's difficult. It really is. Like you could be 10 minutes into it. You could be an hour into it. And the longer you go down that road, the, the more stress you're creating in your body. And for me in running, the, the harder it is for my body to recover. Like I'm having chemical reactions that are not healthy for me and Mm. I need to stop that. And I need to be on this positive path. And it's really small, but something that helps me is I'm like the, whatever negative thoughts I'm creating this conversation for whoever, they're not thinking about it. Like they are having their own like little internal circle. Mm -hmm. So I'm creating this entire world. That's so unnecessary. And like, Mm -hmm. Sarah down the street is not thinking about what I said last night. I guarantee it. She's thinking about what she said and what an idiot Mm -hmm. she is. And I mean that in like, not just like in a, in a blatant way, like she's not an idiot, but like, I'm sure that she's telling herself the same stories unless she's much more mentally healthy than I am. (laughs) We're not even like, it's a question of like being mentally healthy or not. It's all about how everything that we see in everyone else is, is, is about us. So it's about us. So yes, she is. She's, she's thinking about herself because of course she is, because we can't see in other people what we don't already see in ourselves. So so, yeah, we really favorite. I love that concept so much. It's, and it's so right. And, and a lot of people have trouble with it because they're like, no, that's about that person. It's like, that's actually about you because if you don't see it in yourself, you can't see it in them. I have this person that is in my life that I just, I, I see this, this, like, he's an asshole. And, and I'm like, I see all of these things because I have awareness of them because I've either been that way or I've had someone be that way to me. And it really, when it all comes down to it, it's always about me. Like it's always about me. And so the thoughts that we have are really about just what's going on. Like just check in with yourself, you know, and we're all told that we have shit wrong. It's like, we don't really have shit wrong. We're just humans. We have, we have humans with human brains. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that concept, it took me a long time to, to like fully understand it. I think my partner and I, we've been together six years and I would say the first four, anything that he did that was like really helpful to me, I would think there's a, there's a motive there. Like he is doing this for his own benefit. There's no way he's doing it and expects nothing in return that, Mm he would be this much of a supporter for me in all these different ways and just do it. Cause he's a nice guy. It's not possible. Like he has a motive and at some point he's going to stab me in the back and I'm going to be so pissed at myself because I wasn't aware. Like I knew better. I knew better the yeah. entire time. And you're this manipulative asshole. And so I would 
start fights that like he wouldn't even understand what was going on because he was truly being a nice guy but mm-hmm. i saw that in him and like his motives were so it, it was really hard for me to get into his head in a way he just doesn't think like that and yeah. like so maybe he has a different awareness because he has it has had a different life and so him. any anything that he because i i like you I, I sometimes will, will be guarded like that. And I, and I will, and, and I'll, I'll live in my masculine and I'll think, why, why is this happening? Yeah. Why? And that's Fuck all off. I can do it by myself. Like, leave me alone. Yeah. I've got this. And we, and that all comes from just us and, and the past, like, and us and what we've experienced and how we've developed those protective layers of our egos. And then I, I think it's powerful that you said you'd start fights because I've been guilty of that. I think a lot of people are, and we don't want to be hurt. So we're afraid. So we will, we'll do that because at some point in our life, it was about survival. So at some point in our life, someone either left us alone and we had to, we had to armor up or there was abuse and we had to armor up or, you know, whatever it was, if that's a reaction, it's going back to survival at some point. So it's, it's good awareness that you, that you noticed and that it's not like that anymore. And I know that the two of you have a very powerful relationship. He's also an ultra runner, amazing human being from everything I've read about him. I've never met him, but um, I know we yeah. were, we were talking about, about the concept of it being about something about you. And that's where we, I interrupted For him. Sure. So sorry. Oh, I didn't even realize. Yeah. I was just going with it. Um, yeah. I don't, I, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, just, no, I do. I, I was like, cause I was, I, I noticed, um, no, I was, it's such a, it's such a big thing. And I think a lot of times we just are operating because our, that's, that's what our brain is really designed to do. And, um, and when you were talking about your, okay, so back to your running, it's powerful that you talk about the body and the idea that if you're in that negative thought spiral, And if this is about survival, like if this is about, and I don't mean survival, like I'm going to die survival. I mean, like an old program from, you know, 30 years ago, like an old program that developed 30 years ago is still running somewhere. And it's putting you in this place where you're analyzing and trying to put yourself in the best sort of situation. The body, the body does respond. And I think that it was powerful for you to talk about your recovery, because I think a lot of people who aren't professional athletes, who are not paid to, to run, to be an athlete. Like they're not going to notice as much. Now I do, I notice how things affect my body, but a lot of people that, that are just, yeah, you know, like we work out every day, you know, whatever. They don't always have that keen awareness into their bodies. That doesn't mean all that shit's not happening. That doesn't mean that those emotions aren't affecting your body. I work with women that are overweight and there are, there are, stress factors to us holding on to weight. There are inflammation factors that come from things that are not physical. So it's powerful to speak to it and to speak to. It's totally, I mean, it's affecting your sleep. Like you said, it's affecting your weight. It's affecting your relationships in your life because you're more stressed out. You're more on edge. You're more likely to have combative arguments or discussions because you're just, you're geared up all the time. And you don't know how to fix that if you don't recognize it's happening. And yeah, it, I mean, it's just like this constant battle to find this like peace in your mind of what is happening in the world around you and what's real and what's not. 
the the stress that comes with these negative thoughts is often totally overlooked if especially if you don't know the negative thoughts are happening and again like it just it affects the way you treat your kids and it affects every aspect of your life and and coming from i think a family i hope they don't well i don't care if this do it but that i just don't think recognized any of that like there was just no awareness of it growing up of like the stress that i would say my parents felt from jobs that they didn't enjoy from trying to just put food on the table and then just just feeling like angry you know mm-hmm. and that is being passed on to the people around you and so just like healing yourself and and acknowledging that there are things to heal and you can't just tough it out like you can't you have to go into your head and like address each of those problems and like why do I feel this way and sometimes you might think it's one thing and then if you keep asking yourself that I do feel like in like months and years and I hope in five to ten years I'm still like pulling back those layers where like today I might think that I'm feeling this way because of one thing but really it's the the motive in my head is completely different and like I can acknowledge that like I was jealous of that person I was overthinking it because like you said this happened to me in the past and it's all it's all about me and and my reaction and my take on it and can you change those takes and just create a better life for yourself like if if you are constantly arguing with people if you're constantly not feeling healthy um like in a matter of fact straight up illness kind of way or mental, like not to say mental is not illness, but you know what I mean? Physically or mentally, whatever it is, if you just aren't feeling good, it's not things that are happening to you. It's things that you are creating the world around you and Mm -hmm. you can create this like much healthier, happier place, um, by, by just addressing that and like having the courage to ask those questions of yourself, like in I emotionally triggered here and why. Yeah. It's powerful stuff. It's way powerful. (laughs) So tell me, tell me about, um, just because I'm curious and because I, you know, we've talked a lot. Um, what is, what's your, your typical day look like when you're training? Like Um, when you're training for an ultra. Yeah. Um, Again, I have an amazing, amazing partner. So I, I hate, well, I don't hate alarms. I'll use alarms sometimes, but I like to like wake up naturally. And I would say roughly, I always wake up around seven. And so wake up seven breakfast. Um, and our breakfast is bacon, eggs, potatoes, always. Mm. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, depending on the day, I will jump on my computer for an hour, a couple hours, get caught up on emails or anything that needs to be addressed there. Um, and then jump into some yoga and strength training and just like micro movements, not a ton of like weightlifting or anything like that. Just like at home stuff, just to like get the ankles going, the feet kind of warmed up before my run. Then depending on how many miles I'm doing that day, I'll go out. And I would say if you take any like snapshot of the year, it's four to eight hours. And then like, obviously that varies, but I'd say that's like a very general window of how long I'm running, um, come hmm. home and jump in the sauna and I'm in the sauna for an hour and then shower and my partner has dinner ready for me. And then we will like kind of wind down by 
watching a show or two or a movie. And that's, that's the most typical day, I would say. Um, you know, what's interesting way- is that that's like a day that anybody in any job would have. Yeah. Well, that's why I say it's just, it's yeah. just like eight hour gig. It's like my, yeah. And yeah. I think people think, oh, she's running for eight hours. Like that's crazy, but it's, I'm in these crazy mountains. And so I'm not redlining the entire time. Sometimes I'm hiking half the day. Um, and sometimes like you see an elk or a moose and I just like sit and watch it for a half hour. So the days like, re- I mean, there are days that are like straight up workout days, but a lot of the time it's just working on that strength to climb mountains and like going at, I mean, over a hundred miles, you're in zone one and two a lot. And then you, yeah. you can push to like zone three and four, but like my zone five compared to a marathon runner is very, very small. And so it's a lot of low effort consistency. That's kind of also for everybody listening. So zone one and two is heart rate below what 80 heart rate, like, like, yeah. like it's low, like it's really low. Like if you're, if you guys are listening and if you just go to the gym and you're on the elliptical, you're probably like at 120 and that's zone three. Something like person, that yeah. depends on the person. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's, it, that's, that's an eight hour day. Like, it's not like a, like, yeah, with marathon running, we're like, you know, you're like, for me, I'm typically like, I, I guess, I don't know what this means about my fitness, but according to my watch, cause I don't wear a chest strap, it's 155. That's where I'm at. Like it's 155. Yeah. That's where I usually live. Yeah. I would say when I like in a race, that's where I'm at as well. Like, yeah. Which for me is zone three. I, I mean, and it changes with your fitness, but we'll mm-hmm. say for me, that's a zone three and yeah, it's like middle of the road, but just walking about your day, your zone one, um, zone two, like if you're a server, it's like a really stressful night. I would say like, yeah. you're kind of running yeah. around your power yeah. walking. Um, but yeah, zone one and two is a very like normal day for most people. I would say most people probably get into zone two, depending on their job throughout the day. And so you're, you know, doing that doing that. Yeah. That's just, that's amazing. Like it's such a different, it's so different to me, but it's just so cool having that typical, like, this is my routine. This is what I'm doing. I think when we think about impossibility of people's lives, we don't realize that people in their lives just are just living their lives. Like there's not a lot of differences between us. It's just about, are you committed to doing it over and over and over again to the best of your ability? For sure. Well, like a really cool uh, quote, I guess, or stat I heard is that most professional athletes, they are professionals. They're allowed to be professionals, not because they have more time to train in the day and they're able to go max effort more often. They're doing the same workouts, but they just have more time to rest where your average nine to five person is working all day. And then to get in that physical activity later or whatever hobby you're doing, you're adding that many more hours to your day to get in your fitness and to get in whatever clears your head. And so it's so much harder where a professional, they can do that activity all day and then they can rest in the evening. And so a nine to fiver, they have their job, they have their hobby and there's no time for rest. And so you, it's, it's creating that life. But I, when I was working in restaurants, I mean, I was getting off Bubba Gump's at, I don't know, two in the morning and then going to the gym until 5am and then getting home and then sleeping for X amount of hours before you jumping back on the subway and going to work. And it's just, I remember that. I remember you posted like, some kind of, 
No, but it is though. And this is why, like I did this reel and it kind of, I don't know, it caught a little bit of traction on Instagram, but it was that I said in the beginning, it's like a tug of war, you know, now you're, you're in this place where you have a professional job doing what you love, but you went through the tug of war because you had to go through the tug of war with the job. And with that, like, for me, it was, I was heavy. I can't run that much because I'm heavy, but I'm, you know, I want to run, but I'm too yeah. heavy to run, but I need to run. So I'm not heavy. And it was like this tug of war. same with business. It was the same. It was a tug of war. And I think we all have to go through that tug of war phase before we can hit the sweet spot and just be able to sort of continue, but everybody has to do it. And a lot of people don't want to go through that phase, but we're, we're indoctrinated into the system. And then we need to, we need to override the system. And sometimes that means working till two o'clock in the morning and then going to the gym till five. And people are like, I don't want to do that. But it's like, but what do you really want? Like, what do you really want for your life? I mean, you have a a beautiful life. You have an amazing partner. I mean, you, you have this beautiful life that you've created. You've created it, but you had to go through the, you had to go through shitty parts to create the. Yeah. Well, and I, I didn't realize what I was creating when I was creating it. I was just, what, what would make me happy today? And how do I accomplish that? And then you like, look up and you're like, I live in, I think one of the most beautiful places in the U S I have a partner that loves me incredibly and I love him back. And it's, we have this amazing relationship and like, we're not, we make enough to, we are creating experiences. Like we are not collecting monetary things. And hopefully one day, uh, like we will get to that point that like we are financially just set free in a way that like, I can't even imagine, but in the meantime, like doing what we do, we are able to travel the world in ways that I like only dreamed of as a little girl, you know, and we have these experiences with by ourselves in races. And then also with our team with Adidas that like, I don't, it's just, it's so uncomprehensible to me that like, this is where I got to. And so it wasn't again, like I wasn't, I didn't start on this journey and say, I want to be an Adidas athlete and I want to live in this like epic mountain town and I want to run mountains all day. I just started down this path and I'm like, Oh, that seems really cool. I'm going to try and keep doing that. And I really like this guy and I'm going to like try and make it work as best I can, but also like ladies cut them loose if they're not supporting you. And so it's just like knowing what you want out of life and like also what you deserve. Cause like I, I'm going down a relationship spiral now, but I was with men in the past who like, I thought, I mean, I was dating them and I thought they were cool guys. And then like looking back, I'm like, I can't believe I put up with so much fucking bullshit. Like, and and at the time I thought that like, I'm going to make this work. Like I'm going to put my head down and I'm going to grind. And one day I'm going to wake up and he's going to be right for me. Right. And I'm not going to give up on him. But like, Avery is just everything I could ever dream of. And so it is like, just, it's not having that big picture to start with and just having like a general goal and then just start working towards it. And then like things kind of just fall into place. And that's Mm -hmm. so simplistic for somebody who's like going through the shit right now. They're like, that's not, that's not how it works. Like, well, people going through the shit want to alter themselves to fit the person. And it's like, uh, like, yeah. like they want to change to not align themselves to be what the other person wants. And if you work on yourself and go towards what you want, your partner will manifest for you. I mean, 
Avery could, Avery is a professional ultra runner. So like, it's, it's aligned and that, that came from the universe. Like that didn't come from, you know, and talking about like open, like doors that have opened for me or that I've opened along the way when the way I met Avery is I wanted to be a really good hundred mile runner and I DNF'd. And so I, I put out all these feelers and I just started looking on Facebook for people who are successful at the sport. And I contacted like three or four people. And I was just like, can you coach me? Can I grab a beer with you? Can I pick your brain? And Avery was one of those people. And I was not looking for anything romantic. I just wanted to go out, grab a beer with him. And I wanted him to teach me how to run hundred miles. Mm-hmm. And like, it just went from there, but it was just like, opening those doors and being like, how do I get what I want? I want to run hundred miles and like, who's doing it well. And how can I contact them and, and try to learn as much from them as possible. And so that's how that happened. And truly him being in my life, like he was an accomplished runner before I met him. And I don't know why, cause I was very mediocre, but he let me start running with him. And so I would run with him for hours and hours. And I would just like be like, a couple feet behind him and just watch his feet and like watch how they hit the ground and watch how he ran up hills and how he ran down hills and his stride and how he ate. And so I just like studied him as this like amazing ultra runner and learned so much from him in terms of training that got me to where I am today. And so again, it's just like, if you want something, you know, like ask people for help at talk to a sports psychologist, find a sports agent. And like, these are just my routes, like find somebody who's good at it. And like, don't think that you can do it all by yourself. Like it, it is a community around you. And like, you have to like reach out for people and, and they are willing to help you. If you find the right person, if you find somebody that doesn't want to help you, then that's not, that's not your person in a professional way, in a romantic way, in a friendship way, whatever it is. And then they're not aligned. They're not aligned for you. Like people are the accelerant. And I was somebody that isolated from people for many years because I thought, no, everyone's my competition. And like, it was that really bad attitude. That was all another survival thing for me. And then I realized people are the accelerant and they want to help. And if it's aligned, they will help. So it's powerful what you're speaking to. And it's it's also powerful that you fell in love and now you're this like amazing, you know, couple <laughs> and like, it's beautiful. I wanted Thank to just you. ask you, do you have anything, like anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure the listeners know or hear? Um just like down the mental like rabbit hole like anybody who like needs to hear it like there is love in the world for you and like those dark thoughts like will go away and just I know when you're in them it is so so hard to like see past yourself and to see past to see into the future in a positive light and like honestly reach out for help like reach out for help in any way you can and if if the help that you need is just like listening to soft music that day and then like the next day, maybe it's talking to a friend or just listening to a podcast before you talk to somebody in person. And then maybe you can talk to a friend and then like, if you're not ready to talk to your family, whatever it is. But I think that just doing something for yourself and like getting out of your head and, and whatever like makes you happy, like make that list of five things or something like take a hot bath and just, just try to, um, to acknowledge those negative thoughts while you're having a move board. And, um, there it like, I know it's so silly and it's, 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 it's weird to say silly because I grew up thinking it's weak to, to know that you are loved. Like it's weak to feel that emotion. And so I just like want everybody out there. That's like, that's struggling that you are loved and like 
just keep moving forward like one day at a time and and do the smallest thing and then maybe the next day do two small things um so yeah <laughs> that's beautiful that is so beautiful and there is so much strength and love and vulnerability i mean it's just it's beautiful and then i Thank you, Sabrina, so much for being on the podcast. Can you just tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. Um, Sabrina Leanne Stanley um, on Instagram is the best way. And um, yeah, everything else can be found there. But that uh, sabrinastanley.com if you want to know more. And that's just my website. But yeah, just Instagram, I would say, is is my number one. And I, I take breaks. So... <laughs> Um, I try not to, but sometimes you just got to take a step back. And, and um, so I will try to keep that as current as possible, but yeah, I would say Instagram and feel free to comment or, or contact me privately and, and ask any questions that I maybe didn't answer here. You are awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. And that about does it for the get the fuck off podcast for this week, everybody. Thank you so much to Sabrina Stanley for being here. Until next week, you guys can check me out on my website, getthefuckoff.com. If you have any questions about anything we talked about today, you can reach out to me, Andy, A-N-D-E-E, at getthefuckoff.com. I'm going to be back next week with another episode of the podcast. Until then, take care, stay safe, and stay beautiful.